You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast uh, for the Star Wars Rebels episodes in the name of the Rebellion Parts 1 and 2. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Hey, what's going on, Mike and Star Wars Rebels fans? Good to be back this week, and I have to admit, Mike and... uh, I've never heard the hashtag mm-hmm. Canera, but I'm loving it, and we'll talk about that later. But I saw you okay. post it, and I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. But, yeah, this is that's I, just for the later on. Just for later on. It's the tea jo- for later on. Jonah Marie, <laughs> uh, Blue Jay Guys on Twitter, she knows She knows what I'm talking about. We talked about yeah. it with the last time that she was on. Uh, uh, we had a we had a bit of a conversation about it. So, Because um, oh, okay. we were talking about the, the Season 4 trailer, and there were yeah. some hints at it. There oh, were yeah. some hints. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second i before we get into the episode you want you want to talk about the uh the news yeah let's uh jump into the news real quick hold on let's do it now here's the latest from a galaxy far far away right away sir All right, so Mike, this story came out, uh, actually came out today. This is from io9. Uh, the, the writer, let's see, it was, uh, I think I think his name is Jermaine Lucier or something like that. But anyway, he was able to kind of chat with Dave Filoni about um, some of the reveals coming in this fourth and final season. And uh, there was, they, he, he kind of referenced three specific things that mm-hmm. he thinks, uh, you know, we all want to hear about. And I'll just briefly go real quick through these. It says, first uh, was the Jedi question. It says, quote, I will say just explaining Ezra's past and what happens to him in Canaan is a big one because people have been all over that, seeing as they don't see many force wheelers in A New Hope. So that was the first thing, Canaan and Ezra. Uh, just hold that for a second. Second, the Thrawn question. So he brought Thrawn into the picture, so we have to answer the questions about him. That's the second one. Third one. The Ahsoka question, and he says, quote, I would say just because it's been a constant question that I've gotten, people keep wondering what happens to a character like Ahsoka. 
I would say that all of all these things on the table, uh, I would say that of all these things are on the table this season because you try to answer all those things in the course of the series. So we try to really bring all those answers to bear, whether people would like to answer or not, because it's not going to be contained within the story. So all those things were on the table going into this season. So here's my thing, Mike. If I had to pick, you know, three things that I, you know, we've talked about this before about the, where this show is going. This is probably the three that I would that I would put. Now I put them in different order. Of course, to me, it's, first is going to be Ezra and Kanan. Obviously, that's a big one, and and that the answers to that. Hopefully, yeah. we'll get that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put Thrawn second. He's he's not been much for me in this series yet. Um, he's a cool character and I like what he's doing and it, and his, you know, his mind and how smart he is. I do kind of want that answered, but I would say the Hisoka one is, is right next to Kane in it. Cause obviously after season two, uh, we've, we're still wondering what the heck's going on. We've gotten these clues and we've got these hints from Filoni and at celebrations, yeah. but for the most part, we're still up in the air about what really is going on with her. So I would put that as my second most, the, the thing I want most answered in this series. Um, I, I'll throw it to you, Mike. What do you think? Is there anything else you want to see on this list or is this kind of where we're going? With, no, with I mean like, like there are, there are questions about every single one of the characters of our main mm -hmm. characters, you know, like why don't we see Sabine and the Mandalorians um, in regards mm -hmm. to the rebellion? Why don't we see uh, uh, Zeb? Mm -hmm. um, we do see Chopper. Now we do see the ghost and by virtue of that Hera um, post Star Wars Rebels uh, in in Rogue One as well as in Forces of Destiny. So um, <clears throat> so we have some answers with those two characters that that uh, Hera is obviously still around by the time as well as Lego Star Wars the Freemaker Adventures. Hera is still around as of Return of the Jedi and still an important part of the rebellion. So. Um, Kanan's not there. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. we know why. Ezra's <laughs> not there. Sabine's not there. Zeb's not there. And, and the question is, why not? Um, I think Zeb is easy to answer. I think he will probably return to the new Lasat homeworld um, that, uh, that he helped them find the way to. Uh, uh, back in, what was that? Is that season, that's season two. That's the season two story. Um, mm -hmm. One of one of the better episodes of season two, actually, probably one of the better episodes of the series. Um, that that was a really great story uh, with him and the Lasat. Um, yeah, and then and then obviously, I mean, like some questions sort of answer themselves a little bit better. Like like where's uh, where's Callus? Um, and to me, it's like, well, Callus is part of the rebellion and he's just kind of out there. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't make it through the story. Maybe he will sacrifice himself for the rebellion at some point before mm -hmm. the end of, of season four. But, um, I like to think that he's, uh, that, that he's there. He's just in the background. He, he's a former ISB agent. So, um, much like a character like Cassian Andor, as well as his superiors, um, they're sort of in the shadows. They they don't really connect with our heroes that much because our heroes are heroes, and the the intelligence uh, section of the rebellion is a little bit a little bit dirtier. So that kind of answers itself. the mm -hmm. The questions that have much less easily an that are much less easily answered revolve around I think Ahsoka 
and and uh, Ezra and and Thrawn is an interesting character to consider mm-hmm. because obviously the context for for classic Star Wars fans, um, especially those who are fans during the dark times, I. Uh, we know of Thrawn as a post return of the Jedi villain. Um, and obviously that's not the case anymore. Um, mm-hmm. legends has, has rewritten that. And there are plenty of other characters, um, in, in place of him, um, in the aftermath trilogy and so forth. Uh, other characters that were replaced were, were like Gilead Pelion, who Gilead Pelion was one of my favorite legends characters, because um, I just loved his story going from second in command to Thrawn to uh, to an admiral in in the New Republic um, eventually. So I yeah, like there there are, there are questions about about like where's Thrawn gonna be? Is he is he gonna meet his end um, towards the end of of season four? I think it's probably likely that he's not going to make it through it because he's already proven that he can outwit the, the rebellion. I don't know how the rebellion continues in the way that it does in the original trilogy with Thrawn still out there as a threat. So um, to me, Thrawn is kind of the biggest problem this season for them Mm -hmm. to deal with. Previously it was the inquisitors, but they kind of dealt with the inquisitors. um, And now it's time to deal with Thrawn. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think, uh, like he says at the end of this quote, Filoni, he just says, you know what, um, whether people like it or not, yeah. like the answer or not, uh, it, it's got to be contained uh, within this story. So um, it looks like somewhere or another, I mean, I was on record as not necessarily loving the, what happened with the ambiguity of Ahsoka and the Vader fight. Uh, so... You know, maybe that maybe this is going to change this season. Maybe we'll get some some more answers. At least, hopefully, with Kanan and Ezra, uh, I don't want to see that go into some kind of this series ends and then it's one of those question marks. Like now, you can't do that. Um, I think, like you said, it's got to happen in this in this season because you can't, there's not much left to go to uh, to Rogue One actually. So we're getting close there. Um, yeah, I think that there will be pretty yeah. definitive answers. I mean, I think there kind of yeah. has to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then coming, uh, the other thing in the news, uh, I just jumped to this real quick. Uh, we got another behind-the-scenes video for The Last Jedi. Mike, did you get a chance to catch this? I did, yeah. And right. fantastic behind-the-scenes video. Um, yeah. Really, really uh, giving us some cool new looks at things, but not any new information, really. And just kind of really, really amping up the hype on, on the movie, as well as Ryan Johnson as the director. Um, yeah. And he's, I think he's just done such a phenomenal job with the look of it. Um, there is one tidbit coming out of the behind-the-scenes video that I find very interesting. There's a couple tidbits, actually, but there's one that I'm going to talk about. That is yeah. the fact that Luke's lightsaber looks different. Um, the grip on the <laughs> pommel has okay. actually changed. Have you seen this? Okay, I... That's something that blew past me because it's the images are coming so fast, and I try to check out some screenshots, and so, I noticed a couple of things. Did not notice that. There's a couple of shots of Ray holding the lightsaber, and okay. obviously the pommel on on Anakin slash Luke's lightsaber is pretty classic, right? Because it's also reflected in Vader's lightsaber. 
Um, mm. And it's that it's it's those really thick um, um, sort of uh, uh, raised black ridges, right? Which each one is kind of like a flat ridge with like another one sticking out of the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And they surround the, the, they sort of like, like they're, they're evenly spaced around the hilt of the lightsaber um, as the grip. The, the grip on Ray's lightsaber in all of these, in, in these images is actually uh, the, the black and silver parts are flush to one another and and it's kind of the bottom of the lightsaber is kind of rounded um and the bottom is actually like a solid black so the black strips come down the sides and then actually like fold over into the bottom of the of the the pommel um and then and then the the silver parts actually kind of as they come down to the bottom of the of the hilt to the pommel area, they actually round off at the bottom. So it's a very, very different look for Luke's lightsaber. Not the, um, and, and we got explanations as to why Anakin's lightsaber looks different in attack of the clones. And then in, in revenge of the Sith, he has a much more classic looking one, um, that more closely resembles isn't isn't identical, but more closely resembles the lightsaber from A New Hope and Empire. Even the lightsabers between A New Hope and Empire have some small differences, but um, this is significant, right? Anakin's mm. Anakin's first lightsaber, the one that he loses on Geonosis to the to the droid factory cutter, um, had a very different top to it. Instead of the sort of the sort of L shape. Um, guard on the top end of the of the lightsaber it was that like angled cut right but with with this like like that lightsaber was destroyed and he obviously built a new one with Mm -hmm. this um presumably ray gives luke the the lightsaber and then and then as near as i can tell i mean like it's going to be very interesting does luke then hand it back to ray and say this is this isn't mine anymore. This doesn't belong to me. I lost this, mm-hmm. uh, uh, along with a great many other things. Um, I'm not that person anymore. But you could be, you know, like you could be the, the uh, uh, what I once was, sort of thing. I take the lightsaber, but um, but Luke obviously has the lesson that he learned, which is that you kind of have to make it your own. Right. Right. That's what I thought you were going in. <clears throat> and that uh, he might he might say to her, Hey, take this, but in order for you to really connect with it, you need to you need to take this thing apart and put it back together. And and um and I think that's that's what's reflecting in the in this new design. So I don't know, I'm I'm hoping that it will be uh like like actually part of the story um and that we'll actually get to see it um but yeah it's it's very very interesting to me very interesting to me that that we've got this this just totally throwaway thing in the in the trailer but a couple of really keen-eyed um fans have noticed this and i honestly i didn't notice it when i was watching the video but then i think somebody sent it to me on twitter 
Um, well, let me just bring that up really quick, actually, um, so that I can give credit where credit is due. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, like, very interesting and making me think what's going to happen um, with with this part of the story, right? Where did I? No, so it wasn't. It wasn't on Twitter. Uh, so I'm looking. I'm looking at that lightsaber now on this video. Yeah, um, do you see a, it? So there's a point where she's kind of just um, like practice twirling it. Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I I see what you're saying now. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like I didn't notice that because you just kind of see a blur of it and you go, oh, that's. But no, you're absolutely right. It's like wow, interesting. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. Um, I wonder if it's somewhere like it's not, you know, maybe it's not. I oh know she actually lights it up. So, like you said, maybe it's just she kind of tweaks it a little bit to, you know, maybe it hasn't worked or something. Or she yeah. So, you know, but like, here's yeah. the thing. This is this is what's really interesting because I've just brought up the Annie Leibovitz shot of Ray with the lightsaber, um, mm-hmm. where she's holding it out very prominently in front of her. And that lightsaber is Luke's classic lightsaber, the one from the force awakens. Um, and then that's, it's too difficult to see in that shot. Uh, let me see if I can see it on her belt. Can't see it there. I'm just kind of going through pictures here, uh, in the Google search, but, yeah, I to me I I don't know. Maybe maybe that isn't even um what it, how it's going to look in the movie. Maybe that was like a stunt saber for something or and, and it'll be digitally altered, but um I hope that this is part of the story and more importantly, uh I love it. I think it looks fantastic. I think it's a very very cool look to the lightsaber. No, okay, here we go. I've got an image, one of those promo shots, a couple of these promo shots actually, of Ray from the Last Jedi. Uh, let me just view this image at a larger size. And yeah, that lightsaber is definitely modified. So here, I'm gonna I'm gonna send this through to you, Matt, so that you can see it. See, we're doing we're uncovering some stuff here, so I'm confirming this <laughs> for sure. That uh, that is that is a different looking lightsaber uh, grip on that. So something must happen. There, mm. they have to address that in yeah. the story, because here in one in, in these promo shots, she's got one lightsaber, and then in these other ones, I'm looking at the Last yeah. Jedi EW cover, and it looks is that. Is that the new grip or the old classic grip? I can't tell her hands over the. That's really hard to tell. Mm-hmm. That looks like the classic grip, though. So yeah, I, I mean, like, and then the that that original promo image, you remember the one where she's holding it vertically? It's classic, right. classic yeah. Skywalker handle. Um, but it looks like all of the ones where she's in the her new Jedi outfit are different. It's different. It has yeah. changed. So, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Let me. I'm, I gotta look at the. I gotta look at the poster now, and see <laughs> on the yeah, poster. Right. right? We're doing. Like we're doing the shots. journalism on the episode, uh, which usually we do this beforehand, but. 
<clears throat> yeah, um, that's a three different or a couple different. So okay, so the Last Jedi, the 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 character posters, you know, the there's the six of them. The mm-hmm. grip she's holding there, classic grip. Uh, okay. There we go. That's when they're all dressed in red. The uh, last, in Je- red. the official movie poster for the Last Jedi, new grip. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the new pommel for sure, and I yeah. can't believe that no one noticed it until now. But that's it's different. The the hmm. the pommel on that is different. So there you go. Like that's within the the promotional material. It's it's not a late change because it's in it's in the it's in the footage, right? So yeah, I mean like I'm I'm willing to say that Ray modifies that lightsaber at some point. She yeah. she's gonna make it her own, which that's really cool if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, which it appears to be. So Well that's a good pickup from watching that uh behind there the scenes go. video there you go so yeah, we, i don't know if people are yeah. going to consider that spoilers because we're speculating a heck of a lot at the moment right. but well yeah yeah i would just say just to finish up on that video then, <clears> like you said you mentioned brian johnson and, and yeah. kind of focused on him and like his dreams and all that and showing him interacting with everybody which is really cool and then a couple shots of characters that um i didn't know as of this i don't think at least until this video came out that we're going to see together in the movie. Um, so I, I guess if everybody's, if somebody's here staying super spoiler free, then I won't say it, but definitely a couple of characters that I saw together. Yeah. That, in interesting uh, like, locations. Oh, yeah, yeah. In very exactly. interesting locations. Yeah. So really cool, man. I mean, of course I can't get enough of this stuff. I love these things. And like I said, if it's, I've said this before, if it's something that Lucasfilm and star Wars and Disney want out, then I'm probably going to watch it. You know, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not going on sites trying to find out story leaks, but anything official I'm going to watch. Cause they're not, they're not going to spoil it. So, um, love it though. I love that thing, man. It's just, every time I see those things are fantastic. So, Oh yeah. Uh, other than that though, man, that's it, man. You want to hit the recap? Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump in there. All right. Ezra. 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 It's time to get to when are you going to feel you've done enough for this rebellion? So I guess you really never thought about us. All the paths are coming together, right? I'm just not sure if we're going to like where they lead. Krennic has been quite persuasive about his own project, Stardust. Are you confident your ship can get in and out undetected? You don't call it the ghost for nothing. Well, got him! Now. All right, and here we go with In the Name of the Rebellion. The gauntlet drops out of hyperspace, flying towards the planet Yavin and its fourth moon. Kanan states that Harrison Nilda told him that all of the surviving members of the squadron are part of this unit now. Landing at the Great Temple, they are greeted by fellow Spectre's uh, fellow, fellow Spectre and member uh, Zeb, who welcomes them to the moon. An alarm sounds as they run to Rex, who greets them. Harris squadron, composed of Y-wing assault starfighter bombers, hurtles towards the base as Rex and various ground personnel converge on the area. As the landing area is cleared, Harris fighter makes it a hard landing, stopping short of where the other specters are waiting. Wedge and two other pilots approach, asking if Harris is all right. The specters are happily reunited when they are interrupted by Alexander Callis, who states 
that he finds the reunion nice, but notes that it's time to get back to work as Mon Mothma requests their presence. So I get into this two-parter here. Um, I love that the Gross crew is now, we're, we're getting so close here to this Rogue One Star yep. Wars timeline. They're on Yavin 4. It's fantastic. I love the way that they animated this thing. Um, you know, obviously taking cues from from Star Wars and and it just it looked it looked really cool. The sim this thing um, and here's the thing too about I started watching this with this episode. I started downloading it from the Disney um, app uh, and watching it on my TV. And it's so much better than because I get it in high def as opposed to if I tape it off the regular DXD channel. I don't get it in high def, which is so bizarre. But I get it in high def if I download it. So man, this thing looked gorgeous watching this thing yeah. and high def on the TV with the sound. So it made that, that whole Yavin place look fantastic. And another thing I got out of this too was the Phoenix Squad. Um, they talk about this on their way down. The Phoenix Squad has now merged with this particular rebel cell on Yavin, which we will obviously becomes the whole rebel alliance here. Yeah. But all of these cells now are starting to converge and, and, and we're getting, like I said, we're getting so close to this Rogue One timeline and this New Hope timeline. So um, just a, this is a beautiful, gorgeous uh, opening to this uh, this episode, Mike. What'd you think? Yeah, I I really great action packed. Obviously, Callus mm-hmm. yeah. is uh, is about as uh, awesome as they come. So <laughs> so cool to see him um, yeah. I, in full rebel gear. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I, hot callus. Hot, you mean hot, hot callus. callus. <laughs> um, yeah, we got hot callus in Canera, oh, and uh, and and life couldn't be better. So yeah, yeah. I, I love it. <clears throat> um, it's a it's such a great intro. We're on uh, Yavin. We're getting close to uh, to a new hope and uh, mm-hmm. and Rogue One. And uh, if you look. Uh, on the on the 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 in the landing area there are there are uh, y, other Y wings. Uh, I saw some U wings as well. Oh yeah, um, and yeah. we'll see a U wing a little bit later in this episode. But I, uh, yeah, uh, man, it's I'm excited for whatever's next as well, right? Like that's that's a that's a big thing. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna miss Star Wars Rebels when it's done because. Um, we just get so much great stuff and and yeah. these characters in this setting and callus and uh, and Rex on Yavin it's just yeah. like <laughs> come yeah. on like yeah it, it's it's too much it's almost too much we don't deserve it we don't we don't deserve <laughs> this and then and then the uh, Hera coming in and and uh, and that that great entrance so much fun um yeah like such yeah. great action right off the bat of the episode and, uh yeah, yeah. sure well and, and you said you talk about Hera too and and she's kind of surprised that, that Sabine is with them and you mm-hmm. know she decided that uh obviously from the last episode uh you know Mandalore is well taken care of now and she wants to be back with her family she kind of says in, in a certain uh point of view certain way she says that so Hera is kind of you know, surprises here. Obviously, glad though. And then we get Wedge too. Wedge is with them. You know, Wedge is becoming um, obviously uh, one of their star pilots. You know, he's with yeah. Hera on this mission, so he's already gaining ranks as being a, a hotshot pilot. So I thought that was kind of cool to kind of wedge him in there <laughs> into totally. the story. <laughs> no uh, pun intended, but yeah, it, it was cool to see him and everything. So um, 
and then, like you said, hot cows to round it out. You can't get better than that. So good stuff. Uh, what's next, Mike? Uh, in the main briefing room, Organa displays a hologram of an Imperial base, explaining that it is the Empire's new rail- relay station on Jalindi. General Jan Dodana says that he hates to admit it, but Saw Gerrera's intel was right after all. Ezra notes that Saw has gotten results, and Mothma sternly replies that the Alliance does not mistreat their prisoners. Callus has an idea, and suggests tapping into the station's transmissions to eavesdrop on them, so the Rebels can reroute their operations to avoid Imperial fleets. Mothma assigns the Spectres the mission. Mothma takes Ezra aside to talk to him, uh, and she explains that, that she understands how he feels as her, as her homeworld on Chandrilla is also suffering under the rule of the Empire. Mothma states, however, that there are thousands of planets suffering under the Empire's rule and that the Alliance has to see the bigger picture. So Ezra is obviously quite upset mm-hmm. that, uh, that Lothal still isn't a priority for the uh, for the rebellion. Obviously, they were getting ready to to launch the attack on on Lothal to liberate it. Um, mm. But Thrawn taught them the important lesson that they are nowhere near ready for that. Um, and I think like Ezra, he's too close to it. He hasn't, he didn't see it. He doesn't, he hasn't realized that had they launched that assault, uh, they would have lost. So, um, it's going to be really interesting the next couple episodes to return to Lothal. Um, cause that's what's, that's what's coming up in the future. I, cause I think they have to take a bit of a different, a different tact, but but Mon Mothma's explanation here, I think, is really great. That um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, Lothal's got problems, Chandrilla's got problems, the galaxy has problems, and the rebellion has to gather strength before it can actually deal with the empire. Um, right. And you know, well, I think the, the rebellion yeah. would have been fighting the empire forever had it not been for the emperor's overconfidence at mm-hmm. the battle of Endor. So, um, Mon Mothma is right to be cautious because the empire has everything that the rebellion doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I'm glad you mentioned the Mon Mothma, um, and Thrawn thing. Cause I had that exact like thing written down in my notes. It's like, like you're right. Mon Mothma, she's still like kind of gun shy. Yeah. Um, after like the defeats, you know, it's like in her run-ins with Thrawn, it's like, like you said, she's just like, oh, I don't know, you know, we gotta we, we gotta slow our roll here and, and really think this thing out. So that was an important um, point that I got for this. But how great yeah. was that shot of the I don't know what to call it, but like the war room, um, yeah, on Yavin. I mean, <clears throat> the screen grids that were there, the war. I, I guess you call it the war table. I don't know what you call it, but just everything exactly like it looked like in a new hope you got general dodonna's there senator bail organa's there of course my mom was there but i just love seeing that yeah. that uh that, that room back you know it's like oh man that's so awesome and and saw um has obviously the better intel and i obviously the difference is and we kind of find out this that saw will do anything you can to find out you know how to get the information. I mean, he has no qualms about uh, how he acquires the information he gets. And that's, that's a big point of contention between him and, um, and Mon Mothma right now. And, and they'll kind of get into that more in this next scene. But um, I just had to mention that too, that uh, 
man, that was a fantastic shot of just calling back to the Star Wars and kind of love that too. So like you said, Ezra's still concerned about Lothal, but she's kind of like, hey, you know, like like you said, like everybody's reeling right now from the Empire. So yeah. we'll get there. We'll get we'll get it on. We'll get going with that uh, as soon as we think we're in the right place. So uh, I'll continue. After dark, Ezra finds Kanan meditating outside the temple. Kanan tells Ezra to sit down and find his center. After a short time, Ezra tells Kanan that although he knows that Saw is extreme from what happened on Geonosis, it seems to him that Saw is the only rebel leader who doesn't care about all the politics. Kanan reminds Ezra that what uh, is really important is how they choose to fight, not just what they choose to fight for. Just then, the white and green astromech projects a giant image of Saw who addresses the members of the Rebel Alliance. He states that the rebels are now aware of the threat that Jalindi Relay poses and paints the leaders of the Rebel Alliance as cowards who won't do what it takes to win. The Republic. Saw. Your losses today stem from your leader's cowardice. Their unwillingness to take decisive action against the Empire. All across the galaxy, your people suffer while the leaders of this <laughs> rebellion refuse to act. Should I shut it down? No, I want to speak to him. Madam Senator, I'm honored. What is your business here? You ignored my warning about the Delindi relay and paid the price. Now you have confirmation, yet still you refuse to destroy it. So long as our allies in the Senate have hope of a peaceful resolution to this conflict, I will not risk... If you continue to allow this war to be fought on the Empire's terms, not yours, you are going to lose. I will not be lectured on military strategy by a man who has proven himself a criminal. The Empire considers both of us criminals. <laughs> At least I act like one. You target civilians... I wanted to highlight this because here's the thing. Um, when you hear that speech by Saul, and, and I'm listening to that, and I'm going, you know what? Uh, he's not wrong there. You know, yeah. it's like uh, he points out some things too. The unwillingness to take uh, decisive action. That's something that the rebels are having a hard time doing right now. He does. Um, he's throwing a lot of shade on the rebel alliance right now, but, you know, Saul claims that she's fighting on the empire's terms and when you do that you're gonna lose you can't find an empire's term so i'm listening to this and i'm like i started to think that myself like man he's he's got an actual point here you know i know we all his methods and that's are, are can sometimes be into question but man he's not necessarily on the wrong path mike what do you think am, am i wrong there what, what's your opinion on that yeah i think it's a slippery slope and i think yeah. that's where that's where like that's the issue that that Kanan and Mon Mothma are having with Ezra's sort of his his beliefs at the moment, um, and this kind of goes back to Ezra and the Sith holocron and all of everything that happened with that. Um, Ezra wants the quick and easy path, and uh, as as we know from from uh, uh, Yoda's teachings, like that's the dark side, right? Is it? Is the dark side more powerful? No, quicker and more seductive, mm -hmm. but not not more powerful. Um, right. And so Ezra is oftentimes pulled towards that, um, not out of not out of malice or selfishness. In fact, out of selflessness, he is often pulled towards 
um, the dark side in that in that respect in 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 wanting the quick solution to to the problem um, and saw is is it's not so much about the quick solution for saw but it's about the decisive yeah, solution right. so he's he's trying to achieve what the rebellion wants through any means necessary and mm-hmm. sometimes that aligns with the with the rebel alliance but most of the time most it's the in time. it's yeah. in contradiction to their beliefs um, right. and we know that at this point in time the rebel alliance is actually quite um, disparate and and they it's not an alliance yet right it's a it's a it's a series of yeah. rebel cells and it's not really until rogue one that they come together right um, it's yeah. kind of with every with every defeat uh, the rebel alliance grows stronger um, as you know like these the the survivors it's kind of like an evolution type argument right as each rebel cell uh, is targeted by the empire the strongest fighters the 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 most cunning and and skilled uh, members of, of that cell manage to escape join up with other rebel cells and uh, and rally more people to the cause and that's mm-hmm. kind of that's that's the thing that that I think Tarkin and and Palpatine are hoping to quell in in a new hope with the death star is they're they're kind of saying like you know like when now we have the ultimate power in the in the galaxy mm-hmm. um and we'll we'll show it to the rebellion and and they'll have no choice but to surrender but as leia says the 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 more you tighten the your grip the more star systems will slip through your fingers so yeah. it's kind of um Saw wants the immediate action, but Mon Mothma is playing the long game. She's trying to explain this to Ezra in the scene before, and then here's Saw perfectly timed with this dissenting opinion that (laughs) we should do something about it now. We should do it fast. Um, Yeah, and Ezra's more inclined to follow that, and obviously, Kanan's very concerned about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, he throws down like 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 I said, he throws down that gauntlet. He says, after the Empire wins, at least you can say that you fought honorably, uh, or according. Actually, he says according to the rules. And um, at this point, Mothma, she even says it here too. She says that she's kind of holding out hope for a peaceful resolution in the Senate. And yeah. so that makes me think that that <clears throat> you know that's still a muddled mess in the Senate right now. And and. You know the empire is doing a good job of kind of faking all these other senators out. Like, oh yeah, um, well this will be handled pretty soon. Everything will be taken care of. But you know we all know that that's not going to happen. But she's still kind of holding out hope. And and this 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 particular scene opened up with um, Canon and Ezra and their kind of their meditation. I kind of love that. This when when this rebels kind of slows down and we get to see these the interaction between the two Jedi here uh, and this meditation. And Canon senses the conflict within Ezra. Mike, just like you're saying, he's he's starting to buy into this saw thing like let's just get this done man we gotta start yeah you know throwing our weight around a little bit so um really really great stuff in, in this particular uh section here so uh what's next mike we got a big one here you gonna can you take this one by yeah yourself? yeah for sure yeah, all right here you go <laughs> uh on board the ghost as it travels through hyperspace Hera and kanan outline the plan 
The ship will pass high over the relay as Ezra, Sabine, and Chopper drop onto the dish, not using their rockets until the last minute in order to avoid detection. Hera, sitting in the cockpit by herself, is approached by Kanan, who asks her what's on her mind. She admits that she agrees with Ezra, as after what happened to her squadron, all she wants right now is to hurt the Empire the same way they keep hurting the Rebels. Kanan responds that that's Guerrera talking, not her, and that he's confident she will do the right thing. The trio freefall towards the relay, with Sabine counting down the meters as they go. As the trio are about to get get to work on the dish, Zeb tells Kanan and Hera that an Imperial light cruiser has arrived. Ezra, Sabine, and Chopper are quickly forced to rush to the other side of the antenna to hide from the cruiser's line of sight. They are promptly regaled with a transmission from the commander of the cruiser, the Marauder, asking for docking clearance. Affecting an accent, Ezra claims to be the commander of the station and tells the, the, the Marauder that they weren't expected for another rotation. Ezra claims that he is Commander Brom Titus. In response, the offer incredulously demands to know if this is some kind of a joke, as he is Brom Titus. Handed a pair of electro binoculars, <coughs> I almost made it through. Uh, <laughs> Titus is incensed to see Ezra waving at him recognizing the boy from their previous encounters. <clears throat> so, yeah, I love this. Brom is a recurring character, obviously. Right. Um, he started as an admiral, but every time he's encountered the uh, the, the <laughs> rebels, he's gotten yeah. bumped further and further Demoted. down the food chain. Of course, yeah. after Commander, there's not far to fall, so I don't know if he's going to fare too well by the end of this episode. <clears throat> I don't think he's making it out. Uh, <laughs> no. but yeah uh, yeah this is a great scene such great action i love the yeah, free fall yeah. um as i was watching it i couldn't help but think of you matt and uh, uh i'm sure i'm sure you were probably thinking a point break uh-huh. a little bit of, oh man I, i'm sure that the, yeah. that that's that was kind of the thing that that popped up for me i was like the Bodhi Zaffa, yeah. Man. Yeah, I was like, Matt must be loving this right now. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, really, really cool Wee. moment. Johnny Utah. Yeah, exactly. See, I, yeah. I, 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 I know what uh, I, I know what gets you going. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dead presidents. No, man, that was uh, like I, I kind of got the same vibe from that too, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm probably the only one that kind of thinks of this stuff uh, but no i was right there with you not. i yeah, like I it was, it was like funny. it was like the moment <laughs> in the empire strikes back when when luke is hanging from the bottom of bespin and he just kind of like reaches out and he's like he's like ben ben and it's like well obi-wan's not here to help you we told you we wouldn't be and then yeah. he feels leia's presence and he and he's just like leia and i was yeah. in that moment i had the same thing where i was watching this and i just felt that connection i was just like matt <laughs> I was just—I knew you were out there. I knew something was funny when I was watching. It. I got this weird feeling. Like was... <laughs> yeah, we may be—we no. may be a country apart, but uh, yeah. but but not yeah. when we're watching Star Wars Rebels, right? That is funny. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty cool scene. Uh, and I'll tell you what. Um, here's the thing: like we talked about Ezra and yeah. and Saul's influence on him, and the same thing he. He wants to destroy this thing, but it does. It actually makes a lot of sense. I talked about this, about how they can turn this thing into a tool uh, that they can use against the Empire. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But even even Hera is starting to doubt. Like, she's like, man, should we just blow this thing up? Because I'm tired of, like, 
you know, I just want to give them something to, you know, think about like, hey, we're just going to destroy something and not worry about trying to trick you guys or anything. Else. So even Hera kind of gets involved in this thing and, and then Kanan kind of pulls her out of it by saying, you know, it's just it's just Sagar talking. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but uh, and in the, the end where Ezra is talking, it, it's almost like he does his best uh, Han Solo. We're all fine here type of thing where he's, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to be this. And then he gets caught by Brom Titus because he's trying to impersonate him. So I thought that kind of was a callback to uh, maybe the Han Solo, we're all fine here kind of thing. So I thought that was pretty funny. And the yeah. Tide Defenders, Mike, Tide Defenders make an appearance uh, in uh, in this in this episode as well right here too. So Yeah, super important that yeah. they're the Defenders because they're going to be real hard to deal with. Oh, yes, exactly. So we get to that. Uh, we'll continue. In, uh, as the ghost approaches... Zeb is alarmed to report two TIE defenders being launched from the cruiser, forcing Hera to break off her approach. The ghost flies through the red rock pillars pursued by the, de- by the de- defenders. The ghost dives into the fog, and Kanan begins to give Hera directions through the pillars. On the Marauder, an officer reports that another ship has arrived and is moving to- into attack position. The ship, a U-wing, fires upon the cruiser, taking down its deflector shields. The ship pulls up as Ezra and Sabine run towards it. And a door opens to reveal Saw Guerrera to Ezra and Sabine's surprise. The trio board Saw's Ewing, which flies away. Titus, on his cruiser, orders his crew to pursue the fleeing rebel transport, but it's too late as the bombs go off, destroying the Jalindi relay. As the ghost and the Ewing flee Jalindi, Hera tells Saw she's coming alongside to pick up her people. Just then, a Star Destroyer drops out of hyperspace and launches TIE Fighters. Uh, prompting Saw to respond that there's no time, so they have to leave. Now that's how you deal with the Empire. Did they just... Ezra, Sabine, are you there? Talk to me. Hera, we're okay. Relax, Captain Cindela. I've got them. Guerrera. Hold your position. I'm coming alongside to get my people. Naruta, steal a draw on the Choto. Sorry, Captain. No time. Don't worry, your kids will be fine with me. Besides, they might enjoy fighting with a real army for a change. Guerrero, return them to me at once. Unless you two have any objections. We're going to leave. What choice do we have? Get us out of here. Where are they going? I'm not worried about where they're going. I'm worried about who they're going with. So that's how the first part uh, ends, Mike. She's worried about who they're going with and, and maybe that Saw is going to fill them with some more crazy ideas on what they can do to, mm-hmm. to fight the Empire. But a uh, um, couple things here that are going on. First of all, uh, the sequence of the ghost and the dog fighting the TIE fighters, uh, man, I thought, that again, that was beautifully shot. Like sometimes, I mean, that's just like movie quality stuff to me. Uh, the way they animate this and, and some of the moves and it just looks like it's it's right out of the movie. So I love the fact that they do it. Look fantastic, look beautiful. Uh, and I love the fact that Kanan is uh, you know, Hera's gotta trust Kanan, like, hey, we're going into the fog. I can't see. You're gonna have to, you know, he's using the force to kind of guide her around these pillars to get rid of the tie defenders. Love that too. I thought that was a great use of 
uh, showing Kanan like he's still just a master, not a master, but he's really got a hold of, especially since he's been blind now, he's really had to focus. Yeah. And uh, his, 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 uh, um, I guess, uh, mastery of the force is getting, is good enough to do this kind of thing. So I thought that was great too. So I love that. Uh, we get a shot of the U-Wing is back and, uh, Sabine's like, who's that? And Era's like, I don't know, but uh, they're my new favorite. So I, I thought that was kind of a funny line too. And I thought that this was tutus, but apparently it's not. It's they 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 call them something else in the in the episode, uh, or at least in the episode guide. So um, I unless I unless I am is there there are two two tubes? Like there's two tubes and there's another. Are there two of them? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I, I just thought it was two tubes. Did they call him something else? Did they call him something else in the episode guide? That's interesting. It, I think in the it, in the trivia section, they refer to him as two tubes. Okay, maybe he has like he has like a, a first name though. Here, I'll, I'll I'll bring it up while we're talking. So that's probably what it is. That's that's just his nickname then. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But they call him. Um, they call him. Uh, what do they call him? They call him. Uh, uh, Edrio Two Tubes. And there you go. Okay, two tubes. All right, so it is yeah. him. It is, and he's voiced, voiced by David Acord, just as he was in uh, in Rogue One. So yeah, okay, <clears throat> yeah. So we got the end of this first part, Mike. Uh, any thoughts on this last section here? Um, no, I mean, like, like just what you said. All this stuff on Jalindi is uh, is incredible. Um, Joel Aaron doing an awesome job with that technical animation on the things like yeah. the clouds and the atmosphere effects. I mean, it, it's this. This episode reminds me a lot. You remember in season three when all of a sudden um, the the visuals went from of uh, sorry of of Clone Wars, all of a sudden the visuals went from from being very kind of like static and flat looking, and then all of a sudden the lighting just got incredible, right? Um, and it was around the same time that uh, that the the new character models were introduced for Ahsoka, mm. Obi-Wan and Anakin. And I can remember that there's there's that one scene where Ahsoka's working on the inside of this like a, a shuttle or something like that and she's like deep she's like underneath working on something, fixing something mechanical and the lighting is just brilliant in that moment. Yeah. The the moment when the ghost enters the atmosphere of Jalindi has mm. the same effect for me. Where it was like, right. wow, this is like you said, like this is movie quality stuff. Um, yeah. Just incredible that they can do this on a twenty-two minute uh, weekly television show. In fact, not even weekly at this point. Now it's like two episodes a week, so they're doing right. it forty-four right. minutes every week. Um, and, and at this quality, at this level, I think it's it's incredible, and they deserve all of the Emmys that they keep winning. So. For sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I when you compare it to anything else on TV, any other animated show, nothing holds a candle. <laughs> That's the thing, right? I mean, like, there like, are yeah, there yeah. there are very few shows that can even come close to what Clone Wars was achieving, um, and that was years ago, right? So uh, this this studio has obviously learned everything they could learn from Clone Wars, and then and then brought it over to to star Wars rebels and learned even more on star Wars rebels. So, um, yeah, I, I just phenomenal, I, uh, action and the atmosphere and, and just like they, it's, they totally sell it. All that stuff with the clouds, really, really hard stuff to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do it and it just, it reminds me so much of Bespin 
and I, 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 the the Millennium Falcon and, and oh, yeah. Luke's X-wing yeah. flying through the clouds of Bespin. Like, it's a, they they did a really fantastic job with this episode for sure. Yeah, I think that's another. It's a good point you make about other shows. Like, I don't even sometimes I take this show for granted because for I sure. don't really watch anything else animated, and uh, you know, or maybe once in a while. But when you when you do, you're like, oh man, it's just like I didn't realize Rebels and and the Clone Wars were so far ahead of of kind of everybody else and it's just it's just fantastic so and and then at the end of this um of course the antenna array is kind of blasted and so is the star destroyer so like you said mike it looks like we're not gonna see brahm titus anymore huh yeah i don't think that we're uh, i don't think that we're gonna be hearing from him anytime <laughs> i don't think he made it out of that i don't think no. he made it out of that one no so, no that uh, that cruiser is pretty definitively destroyed mm-hmm yeah, there he goes. Titus is no more. Uh, what's yeah. next, Mike? What do we got? Go ahead. Uh, in hyperspace, Saw tells Ezra and Sabine that they should thank him. He asks them if they would rather run Mon Mothma's errands or do something that would actually make a difference. Saw explains that ever since their trip to Geonosis, he's been investigating why the Empire wiped out the population of an entire planet and what they're hiding. He brings up a hologram of Faust Station and explains that he has intel that the Empire is secretly moving cargo through the station. Upon arriving, Sabine is skeptical that there's anything going on at the station, as there's no sign of the Empire at all. Arriving at a cargo bay, Saw points out freighter 2716 and tells them they'll get on board by hiding in a cargo container, a hmm. strategy Ezra and Sabine are familiar with. Right. Um, I'll just say here, like, just before this, too, um, yeah. Saw talks about... Um, he, it seems like he heard about what they did on Mandalore. And so he's kind of like, that's why he wants their help. I think it's like, he, you know, he obviously knows they're skilled fighters and they would be a massive asset to his team. But, um, and he also talks about the, the fail station and the talk of the secret cargo. Um, and the empires are using civilian freighters to move cargo. So this is an interesting little thing about the empire using civilian they're trying to keep something secret, obviously. And uh, actually, we'll just continue around. We'll, we'll keep going. Uh, check it. Did you want to mention anything, Mike, before I go on? No, no. I mean, like, I think you got it. It's very interesting. Obviously, we know what they're what they're building. We know it's the Death Star. Right. We, we have yeah. that information. But this idea that um, you have to remember that all of this was done in secret um, without the blessing of the Senate. So the Senate had no idea because obviously – senators like bail organa would have would have tried to put an end to it um but uh yeah so all of this is done in secret which means it can't be done through official channels which means that everything has to be like clandestine moving through uh moving through the civilian right um channels right so yeah the the it there's a lot of really cool intrigue going on here yeah they like i said they have to work in this secret way especially on some of these things that was we'll find out here because if word gets out about like you know about this this super weapon the death star um before it's ready or before they're ready to, to kind of take over the galaxy uh that's going to be a huge problem like you said in the senate because it, it would everything would turn so they gotta yeah. like i said they gotta keep things kind of under wraps for for the time being uh checking out the contents of the cargo bay they discover that the crates here are full of ship building materials which saw states are used by the Imperial Navy. Hacking into the ship's manifest, Chopper discovers that there is an Imperial shuttle in hold 12, which prompts Ezra to remark that this further confirms the freighter is not a civilian ship. 
Chopper reveals the hold 17 is a restricted area, and Saw announces that they will go there. Uh, Saw speculates that the cargo container uh, prominently placed in the bay has what he's looking for. Opening it, Sabine instead finds a group of prisoners. One of the prisoners, Mitch Matt, states that he heard some of the stormtroopers talking about the Jetta system and suspects that wherever, uh, whatever cargo they're searching for probably came from there. Matt explains that he used, a te- used to be a technician for Coruscant's central power generator and that the Empire tried to hire him away from his job. When he turned down the offer, as he didn't want to leave his family, the Empire took him anyway. About any cargo, but I did overhear some troopers talking about the Jeddah system. If there's any special cargo, it probably came from there. The Jeddah system, huh? Who are you? Name's Mitch Matt. Was a supervising tech on Coruscant's central power generator. Empire tried to hide him away for some secret project, but I didn't want to leave my family. So they just took me. Power technician. Hmm. Everyone here is a reactor mechanic or power specialist of some kind. Mm, it doesn't make sense. The Empire wouldn't have all the security just to guard a few techs. I agree. There's something else here. There must be. I believe you, Saw. We've got to get these prisoners out of here. Use that shuttle your droid found. No, it'll be guarded. We can't put the civilians in the line of fire. Okay, how about the escape pods? We can sabotage the hyperdrive, and as soon as the freighter drops from hyperspace, they can fly away. So, Mike, we hear from this character named Mitch Matt, one of the prisoners, and he's he obviously overheard troopers talking about the Jedi system. So, again, a great... Cool to hear that callback to Rogue One there. You know, still lining things up here. We're so close to this particular point of the the saga here. Um, but he uh, he's also talking about the prisoners that are with him, and they're all like reactor specialists or they're they're power yeah. specialists. So you know, this is much like what happened to Galen Erso. I mean, the Empire is finding these people that are super smart that are going to help them build this super weapon. And they're just taking them much like they did with with, and I'm I'm sure like they even mentioned, um, I think it's right around this point they mentioned, or maybe it's a little bit in, in a few minutes here. No, it's in a few minutes. They mentioned Director Krennic, but again, you know, if they need somebody to help them build the super, they're going to go find them. They're going to take them one. They're going to ask them, or they're going to take them. So it's kind of interesting that they have other specialists and power reactor specialists that they've stolen uh, from their families are going to make him work on this thing. So yeah. uh, kind of interesting that they're an uh, interesting little nugget there, Mike, what do you think? Yeah. I, I love all the connective tissue to rogue one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously with saw Guerrera being uh, central in this episode, that's going to happen mm. a lot, but um, I just got to say Forrest Whitaker killing it in this episode. Oh, yeah. So good. Cause yeah. Um, it's one thing when you're kind of watching the episode and it's all fresh and everything, but just listening to the audio and just hearing his voice, he does such a good job of, of creating a, this, this very specific character with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with, uh, Saw Gerrera, And I love it. I, I think he does such yeah. a great job. Yeah. I'm so glad. And that's the thing. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that was fantastic that they're able to bring these actors back. Uh, it sounds like he was super pumped to do it. Um, and loved interacting with uh, with this character. So um, I'm so glad when they're able to do that, just get the, the same actors to come into it. It's so awesome that they do it. So, and then uh, Ezra, Mike, he starts hearing, uh, he's hearing some singing kind of in the in the background here, and it, it comes back in a few minutes here. But we get this first, uh, first um, 
kind of notion from him that he's starting to hear something. Something's going on. There's something funny going on. There's something big coming up. So uh, go ahead, Mike. What's next? Yeah. So are, are we? We're just past the audio clip, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, as Sabine and Saw sneak past a door, Ezra hears the singing again coming from behind it, and the three decide to investigate. Sabine opens the door to be confronted by a death trooper, which Saw quickly shoots. As the rebels begin picking off the death troopers in the fog, a stray blaster shot strikes the bay's mysterious cargo, prompting the trooper's commander, DTF-16, to order her subordinates to retreat. The field around the cargo lifts, and the contents shock the rebels. A giant kyber crystal. So, mm. uh, really cool. DTF-16, um, one of the death, troop- death troopers, uh, DT, death trooper, um, Mm-hmm. A female uh, uh, trooper, um, which is oh, I love the idea that that underneath those helmets we have no idea, male, female, <laughs> whatever. So it could be anybody, right? Right. Um, uh, even cooler than that, voiced by Jennifer Hale, who uh, is a is a Clone Wars and uh, Star Wars veteran voice actor. She was the voice of Ala Secura on the Clone Wars, as well as uh, I I think was it was it. Uh, Bastila Shan in mm-hmm. uh, in Knights of the Old Republic, and for people who are Mass Effect fans, she's the voice of, of female Shepard uh, in the original Mass Effect trilogy. So uh-huh. um, Jennifer Hale is uh, is one of those like highly decorated voice actors out there. She's done a lot of video game stuff, a lot of really really great work, um, and really cool to have her in this in this role. Um, and just another example of Lucasfilm uh, being very progressive with their storytelling and, and in such a great way. And I'm going to point this out because they don't point it out, but I think that it's really cool for, for other creative people to keep this in mind. You can do stuff like this. You can, you can um, alter the fabric of something that was originally traditionally very male centric and very, uh, uh, by today's standards, very um, just kind of one-sided and even it up just a little bit with with really cool mythology tweaks like this because now it's like well obviously in the force awakens we heard female first order troopers right but that's the force awakens that's the future maybe the first order is different from the empire yeah right but but hearing Jennifer Hale's voice in this episode and having DTF16 be a female trooper in uh what what would be considered traditionally male armor um, just confirms the idea that, that the people under the helmets don't follow any kind of um, any pattern, right? Um, it could be anybody. And obviously we've got uh, we, we've got um, uh, Iden Verso is that I think that's her name um, yeah. in in Battlefront 2 coming up who is uh, a very decorated uh, special yeah. forces stormtrooper um with inferno squadron so um i just love it i i think like there's a lot of arguments out there and, and we've talked about this before that that like oh they're they're adding so many female characters to star wars it's terrible they're ruining it it's star wars they want to make star wars just for girls what about what about all the all the little boys who want somebody to look up to and i'll just reiterate we've had 40 years of luke skywalker Han Solo, Lando Calrissian, Anakin, Obi Wan, 
uh, Yoda, Mace Windu, Kiati Mundi, uh, Quinlan Voss, Kit Fisto, uh, uh, Kanan, Ezra, uh, Finn, Poe. We have so many great male characters, and yet, like the 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 female side was underrepresented for a really long time. Clone mm-hmm. Wars. Did, did a really great job of bringing some of those background characters into the forefront and giving Ayla Secura and Shakti and, and other characters um, a voice and uh, an and actual character. Um, but but since the, the Disney takeover, since the, since Disney purchased Lucasfilm, and obviously since, since Kathleen Kennedy came in, I feel like mm-hmm. they've done a really good job of leveling that playing field because statistically speaking... 51% female, 49% male. That's the that's the actual makeup of our planet. So when you see Star Wars <laughs> and it's like 90% dudes and then your token female character, that's not very realistic, right? And yes, you know, it's Star Wars, it's space, it's lightsabers, it's Jedi, it's the Force. It's not very realistic. But mm. what's good about Star Wars all of that crazy stuff is grounded in in a in an awesome reality, and that's what makes Star Wars so good. So, these characters need to reflect that. The galaxy needs to reflect that, and a more diverse galaxy is a is a more interesting galaxy, in my opinion. So, um, I just love the idea that the Death Troopers are elite. Um, they're obviously very connected to the Death Star. Um, and so here we are. This is a storyline that's going to have a lot to do with the Death Star. So it's appropriate that Death Troopers show up. These guys work for Krennic. Um, right. And right. Uh, uh, that connective tissue is so great. And because they're new, let's do something cool with it. Let's do something interesting. Let's get an awesome voice actor like Jennifer Hale in there. So. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. They're guarding the, the Kyber crystal, which makes sense, too. I yeah. mean, this is... This is like the main thing, and and honestly, I, I can't believe they didn't have uh, some kind of bigger force or something. But I understand that they were kind of traveling, kind of under the radar, so they didn't want to alert too many people. So I I, I kind of get where they're going there. But I think the problem was like with the Death Troopers here. I don't think this. Um, I think this kind of took away from some of the coolness because of kind of what happened to him and and Tim Jurassi, who is. Uh, who does everything for Rebel Cells and the podcast, and he's a great dude. And he has his own podcast on our channel, by the way. Check it out. Uh, the saga continues. Um, even he was on Twitter going, he just he just did not like the portrayal. And he's the biggest Death Trooper you're going to find. He did not like what they did with the Death Troopers in this particular thing. I just think he thought they were too easily uh, dispatched. I don't know what you want to say. Just he- just thought they went out a little too easy and I yeah. can understand where he's coming from. Cause they did kind of go out, but there's only a couple of them. And it's, you know, like I said, they're kind of guarding this crystal, which they're trying to do on the down low. So it's a tough thing. The thing, death, the death. thing I'll point out is that these uh-huh. death troopers are not up against rebel troops. They're not up against, right. you yeah. know, like they're the, the three characters that they're confronted by are Saw Gerrera, a rebel insurgent leader, uh, in his prime, because he hasn't he ha- he hasn't been injured yet, so he's good to go, right. right? And we know Saw Gerrera from the Clone Wars, trained by Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka. Yeah, so true. Yeah. there's some pedigree there. Ezra, Jedi in training, Jedi in training, and yeah. Sabine, almost the leader of the Mandalorians. So 
it never occurred to me that like, oh, that was too easy. It's like, no, that wasn't too easy. These like you have three very elite characters in the Star Wars galaxy here. I uh, it's it True. should be easy yeah. for them. And they don't take out all of them. They only take out a couple and no. they only manage it because of the element of surprise. So mm. and then and then they've got the troopers on their back foot because the troopers know how dangerous that Kyber crystal is and 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 obviously oh, yeah. Yeah. the rebels haven't figured that out yet. So yeah, right. so I'll justify that. I'll defend it a little bit because I oh, think you know, that I mean that's that makes sense. So yeah, Tim, if you're out, if you're listening, it's got to make you feel a little better, right? I mean, it, it took yeah. giant training, like Mike said, and a, a rebel <laughs> leader that's been around for a long time, and one of the best Mandalorian fighters. So yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty that's pretty tough company right there. Um, I'll continue, Mike. DTF sixteen informs the ship's captain that the rebels under the command of Sagara have taken possession of the crystal. And to alert Director Krennic, Saw insists that they have to let the freighter uh, reach its destination so they can find out what the Empire was planning to do with the crystal. He suspects that given the uh, technicians uh, taken prisoner, the Empire is attempting to weaponize Kyber crystals. As Sabine prepares to drop the ship out of hyperspace, Saw appears and stuns her and Ezra, declaring that nothing will stop him from finding out what his enemy's plans are. Commander DTF-16 and her stormtrooper reinforcements enter the cargo bay where the crystal was being kept to find it missing. In the engine room, Sabine and Ezra wake up, finding themselves handcuffed. Sabine tells Ezra that this is what his friend did, and Ezra asks Saul why he did this uh, and why he's, uh, why he's brought the kyber crystal into the engine room. Saul explains that he's convinced that the Empire is building a super weapon and that they have to find out what it is. He ignites Ezra's lightsaber and stabs it into the hyper, uh, hyperdrive before shooting the crystal's mounting, uh, crystal's mounting, causing the crystal to begin to absorb energy. So, Mike, uh, more stuff here with Saw, and he goes pretty extreme here by stunning Ezra and Sabine uh, yeah. just to get his plan out there. And and I think it was in the um, Rebels Recon that that they explain some of the saw stuff. And, and I remember going back and into the, some of the Clone War stuff. And sometimes you got to remember this guy is somebody who lost his sister, uh, to the empire. And that really kind of galvanized his, his fight against the empire. And, and, and he has nothing in his sights, but almost kind of like this crazy, I got to get, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, revenge. Against does you know, he, the Empire. No, you know does, what I mean? he doesn't. Does Steela die in the fight against the Empire? I thought. Doesn't she well, die against the Separatists? Well, it's the Separatists, but I'm, I'm just kind of saying, like. Yeah. You know, it kind of evolves into, like, you know, that's his, his total motivation, yeah, okay, I think, okay. is, is through his sister. Um, you know, because she's actually she's getting ready to be pulled up by, um, by Ahsoka. And then she's shot by I think it's a it's a like you said a separatist tank I, I believe so yeah um, and it falls down or whatever but but my but I mean is like his motivation um, is just almost like pure just he's got he he was so in with his sister and they were so close and all that and I think that's what's driving him and like he said he'll do anything he can to and even kind of going against some of the rebel cells that are supposed you know supposed to be with him so it's yeah. kind of a kind of one of those weird things that's happening with him but. Um, he ends up letting and go and all that. But, uh, Mike, you want to comment on this? 
No, yeah, no, I think you, I think you got it all, you know, like, it, it, it's, it, this is, this is the moment where we realize that, that Saw Gerrera is not to be trusted, right, mm-hmm. that he's going right. to do whatever it takes to win the day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like the first, um, especially with him studying these two, kind of his first, you know, like when we see him in Rogue One, he's clearly kind of gone even farther off that deep end you know what i mean this is kind of like the first seeds of it right here seeing him being able to do this to people that are supposed to be allies to him so yeah uh very interesting scene there uh go ahead mike you want to continue the next one yeah on board the star destroyer captain slavin is informed that there are rebels trapped aboard the freighter ezra and sabine manage to persuade saw to release them and he does saw bids them farewell hoping that they will meet again before heading for his ride Saw and Edrio flee on the U-Wing, and, and a bridge officer reports to Slavin that scans show that the Kyber Crystal was not on board the Rebel ship. Sabine realizes that it's too late to escape into hyperspace, and decides to put the Star Destroyer between their shuttle and the Kyber Crystal. As the shuttle flies past the bridge, Slavin recognizes it as the Commander's shuttle and wonders where she's going. The crystal explodes destroying both the freighter and Slavin's Star Destroyer. So, really successful uh, couple of missions here for Ezra Mm -hmm. and Sabine. They take out a light cruiser as well as the dish um, and and a Star Destroyer (laughs) um, and deny the Empire a kyber crystal for for the death star so um they certainly slowed down the death the the empire's ability to complete construction on that yeah well and and just before this too like saw like the previous um paragraph there saw he kind of adds everything up he starts talking about the crystals and the the technicians they fought and the geonosis and the materials and and it's like he's like what are they building i i'm pretty sure he knows i mean he says weaponize so I think he's pretty much knows that they're making some kind of super weapon. Obviously, it's just where it is. And and as they come out of um, uh, what they thought was going to be like this weapon that they were going to find, it turns out to be nothing. Yeah. But it's just you know it's it's you know they're going to deliver it to the star destroyer. And the star destroyer is going to take it to where it needs to go. But uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's. Well, let me just finish here. We'll finish up, and I'll, I'll have some sure. closing thoughts here. Uh, on the shuttle, Sabine puts all power into the shields, but the shockwave of the explosion fries the shuttle's engines. Shortly after, the ghost arrives to pick them up. In hyperspace, Parent tells the prisoners that they'll be taken home, and Matt informs her that they've decided to join her cause. Kanan is unsettled by what the Empire could be doing with the crystals, noting that this is the second time that the Spectres have destroyed a giant Kyber crystal to keep it out of the Empire's hands. Ezra darkly suggests that the Empire may already be on the verge of winning a war that most of the Rebel Alliance doesn't believe exists. As soon as we can plot a course, we'll take you back to your home planets. Actually, we've all decided to enlist in your cause. Well, we figured if the Empire valued our skills, they'd be better put to work serving you and the Rebellion. I'm sure Command will be grateful for your commitment. Thank you. Uh, I don't like the sound of this kyber crystal. It's the second one we prevented the Empire from getting their hands on. Saw seem convinced that they're trying to weaponize it somehow. Is that even possible? At that scale, I don't know. What if Saw's right? And the Empire is already on the verge of winning a war most of the Rebel Alliance doesn't believe has already begun. 
And I think that's the that's the question, Mike. And I think, you know, it's like like Ezra says, they're on the verge of this. I mean, they're they're right there. I mean, once this Death Star is completed, it's all over. And it's like the Rebel Alliance doesn't even know. They're just they're just so far behind at this point. Um, and it's going to take obviously when we get to Star Wars, it's going to take uh, you know the chosen not the chosen one, but a Jedi. A Skywalker at that to uh, to defeat this thing, but man, um, like he says, they're on this, they're on the verge right here of winning this war, and uh, it's looking, it's not looking too good for the Rebel Alliance. So, um, and it's interesting to note that Kanan doesn't know, um, like what they can do with the with the Kyber crystal, um, so he's kind of in the dark too as well. So, uh, with that being said, though, man, another I thought this was a, a actually. A, this would have been a great as a season opener, um, but I realized what they had to do with tying up the Mandalore story arc, and then this almost felt like the the intro to me or the season beginning to me the premiere. Yeah, for sure. Like that feel to it. So, uh, but yeah, great stuff. We getting Saw back, like you said, getting Force Whitaker to do it. Uh, some of the Force powers we got, we got some more Force stuff from Ezra. I love seeing him do that. Uh, but then another another solid episode, Mike. Uh, any thoughts before we close this one out? I uh, no, yeah, really, really good two episodes. Uh, really great two parter. Um, yeah, the Mandalorian thing felt a little bit like it could have been the season finale for last season, um, mm-hmm. but obviously last season kind of had its own, its own uh, story uh, stuff to complete. I think they like had to have that connective tissue between the two. Um, yeah, true. <clears throat> but. Yeah. Uh, Really, really great. Solid. I mean, these last two weeks, four episodes in two weeks, uh, essentially a movie, a Star Wars movie, uh, <laughs> That's over right, the huh? last two weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, really, really cool stuff. But I am super excited for what's coming next week. Super yeah, so, excited. So just before that, um, we yeah. had mentioned last week, uh, we got a few responses too about how to handle the the rest of the season or at least yes. the rest of of this first part um it sounds like everybody's kind of in agreement with us as taking it one if it, unless it's a two-parter just taking it one one at a time and yeah. um i guess that's how we're gonna do it mike we're gonna do it one at a time yeah i think martin kind of put week. it the best he 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 referred to them not as episodes but he was like take it one story at a time or story at a time. so okay. If a, if a story is encapsulated within a single 22-minute episode, that's one episode of, of, of Rebel Cells. Okay. If it's a two-parter like the last two weeks have been, then obviously we do those as one holistic story if they vary right. back-to-back because that makes the most sense, right? Like okay. tonight, why break these two episodes up into two? Even though they are both self-contained to a certain degree, they're certainly mm-hmm. also connected and that and as you guys noticed like the way that we just talked about that we didn't really like i know where the break was but we didn't really stop and acknowledge the break between episodes so it's i think that that's that's the natural way to cover this and to let these stories kind of breathe in the way that um that they've been written so i'm but i am really really excited to to jump in um next week and talk about this this next episode well i was going to ask you because i'm I'm pretty much staying staying spoiler free on these, and I don't know what's coming up. But I mean, I did watch the preview for the occupation, which we'll talk about in a second. Here, is this going to be a one part, you know, self contained twenty two minute episode? Because I know we're getting two two episodes next week. 
I'm just assuming that from now on, um, the rest of them are kind of their own, own uh, yeah. standalone stories. Yeah, I believe so. And I, I think like okay. the, the another thing that Martin said, he reminded us, is that the episodes, like there's going to be much more of a straight story through to the end of the season. Um, and obviously heading back to Lothal, it looks like the next two episodes are very Lothal focused. Um, so I don't know, maybe once we head back to Lothal, we won't be leaving Lothal, but I, I maybe until the end of the season, but, um, I do think, I, I, I think that each one of these is intended to be a single, a single story, a single aspect of that story. Cause otherwise we would be getting more part ones and part twos. That's true. Yeah, you're right. So, so with that being said, next time on Star yep. Wars Rebels, uh, it's called The Occupation, and Ezra and the Ghost Crew are called back to Lethal, uh when a new Imperial threat rises. And uh, check out this clip. Um, it's called Some Time Alone. Check it's this like out. It's like a ghost town here. Everyone's in hiding. Everyone's afraid, and they've got every reason to be. There's someone coming. Get back! I just realized it's been a while since we spent some time alone. And when we do it, it's in situations like this. I wish I could see you. You could always see me. I found the speeders. Uh, how many? Um, all of them, I think. Oh, it's, it's getting all uh, mushy here at the Rebels. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't be happier. I think everybody listening to the podcast um, since since the beginning <laughs> knows how I feel about these two characters together. Um, and yeah, I love it. I love it. I love that, you know, we've gotten hints of it. Very, very subtle stuff in season one and two, a little bit more overt in season three. And then that trailer was like, oh, we're going to see a little bit of uh, stuff implying this uh, a little bit more as we get into season four. And then here with this clip, oh no, there's no implication anymore. Like it's straight up. These two are romantic. (laughs) Like for all those that thought they, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, I, yeah. Uh, the the debate is over. I think uh, right. is the appropriate Star Wars uh, uh, quote to use, <laughs> um, and I don't think that Bail Organa can argue with it this time. Uh, the debate is in fact over. Canera uh, is a is a Canera. Yeah. Re- yeah. It's a reality. Um, so between that and Hot Callus, oof, man, yeah. this show's getting spicy. <laughs> Muy caliente, I think. Muy caliente. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Ezra and the Ghost Crew, man, they're going back to the yeah. hall, which is kind of cool. And I, I, um, huh? I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm starting to sense a little bit of a connection between Sabine and Ezra, as they both as they both get a little bit older and 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 yeah. uh, grow together a little bit, and and after um, what they went through on Mandalore together, and Ezra kind of being there for for Sabine, um. I don't even even in these two episodes that we talked about tonight, um, 
I feel like there's a connection. And, and, and I don't know. I like, I would love to hear from, from our listeners as to what they, they think about that. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I do think, I do think that there's definitely something there, um, that, that could be explored. And it's very interesting. And I know that like, obviously the series started with those two characters, um, in a more, uh, 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 playful relationship with each other, more friendly. Um, but Ezra's always kind of had a bit of a crush on Sabine, I think from, right. from the first time that he meets her. Uh, and, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that relationship has, de- has, has developed into something else. Um, right. So, well, look at, look at last episode when they, when it, Sabine's dad, he's like, are you with her? And he's like, yeah, I'm with her. Well, I'm not with her. It's almost like this playful thing. Like, yes. Yeah. You know, like like you're right. There could be something brewing there, and I, it wouldn't shock me at all if 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 they went that route or towards the end of this thing, um, something were to to blossom there. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's good stuff, man. I'm glad they're going back to Lothal. It's uh it's gonna be fun to go back there and see what's what's been happening over the last uh, few episodes. What's going on over there? Obviously, some uh, some bad stuff is going. So we'll see where we go. But uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I guess that's gonna do it for this week, though, Mike. Yeah, that does it for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening, for tuning in. Obviously, if you want to stay up to date with all of the latest Star Wars Rebels news, you can head, do that by heading to rebelcells.com. That is uh, C-E-L-S, one L. Um, and, of, of course, like Tim does a great job of keeping everybody up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news over on the website. Uh, you can also follow us, of course, on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebel cell uh, sorry rebels podcast as well as on twitter at rebels podcast you can follow me on twitter i'm at arkwolf a-r-k-w-u-l-f and matt is at the crankster that is crankster with a k uh and uh if you want more awesome podcasts like this you can do that find those by heading to thunderquack.com uh which is uh, uh our home on the internet uh we're part of the thunderquack podcast network and, uh, and if you want to support us, there are two ways to do that. You can head to store.thunderquack.com to buy some merch. Uh, there's lots of great stuff over there. People have been taking advantage of that. Lots of really great deals. Sign up for the, the, the newsletters because the, the store is through Redbubble. Um, but that, that address is the fastest way to get there, store.thunderquack.com. But everything's up on Redbubble. So um, if you sign up for the Redbubble newsletters... <clears throat> they'll they'll actually send you like almost daily uh, deals on different stuff, so you can uh, you can uh, get get good deals, good savings on a lot of different things: um, t-shirts, phone cases, throw pillows, all sorts of stuff. Um, and the other way to support us is through Patreon, Patreon.com/thunderquack uh, by kicking in uh, as little as a dollar a month. You help support us, help us pay for things like hosting, and you get really cool rewards in return, like the exclusive Thunderquack podcast, as well as as uh, access to the uh, to the Facebook group that's just for our Patreon supporters. So you can do that by heading to Patreon.com/Thunderquack, and we appreciate everybody, of course, who does support us yes. over there. Um, but that is it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week for the episode, The Occupation. See you next week.